Whoa! I don't think I even want to hear your story. All of you must hear the Scarlet Spider story. My name is Ben Riley. I'm related to this reality's Peter Parker. How? I'm his clone. Or maybe he's my clone. We're not sure. I'm the real Spider-Man. I don't know what kind of mind game this is, but I'm the real Spider-Man. The real Peter Parker. You see? I'm really clones. I thought I was that clone. I tried to stay out of Peter's life by taking on a new identity. Dyed my hair, changed my name to Ben Riley. When I became a costume hero of the Scarlet Spider, it really made him angry. The next big blow came from Dr. Kurt Connors. He discovered that, according to our genetic structures, it might be Peter who was the clone, not me. That news pushed Peter Parker over the edge. Now he hated me with a passion. This is starting to sound like a bad comic book plot. It gets worse. Why didn't you just tell me I was a clone? The cloning process has proven unstable. You're coming apart. Welcome back, Clonettes, to the Clone Saga Chronicles podcast, powered by SpideyDude.com. I'm Zad Joyner, your friendly neighborhood host and webmaster of the website. Joining me, as always, is Joshua Lappin-Bertoni. Hello, everybody. Donovan Morgan Grant. Hi-ho! And Gerard Delatour second. That is I. Not to be confused with the first. <laughs> yeah, because he doesn't read comics. We killed that guy. <laughs> That's terrible. That's, that's, yeah. That's a great way to start off the show. What the hell, man? (laughs) Patricide. Now coming to a podcast near you. (laughs) Anyway, this episode, we're covering the the new Scarlet Spider title, Scarlet Spider. (laughs) Oh, jeez. But wait a second. Ben Riley's dead. Who's the Scarlet Spider? Exactly. He's a familiar face. And this is not to be confused with Scarlet Spider number one that we're going to be covering in a couple of months. Uh, I I would leave out references to time. (laughs) We'll be recording in a future date from now. (laughs) Does this have anything to do with that burning hoodie that Steve Wacker showed us in San Diego? Funny you mention that, because we're going to go in the Wayback Machine, by the way. The way that machine being, what has been happening to the character that eventually became Scarlet Spider? Spoiler alert, if you haven't already found out, it's Kane. <laughs> spoiler alert. <laughs> uh, spo- spoiler alert, if you haven't read this comic, why the hell are you listening to this podcast? We're just going to spoil the crap out of it. Hey, 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 not, not, not everyone is, is, Will, is Will Johnson. You know, you can, you can re- listen to a podcast without reading a comic book. <laughs> In ten years, he's going he's gonna to hear that. <laughs> when, he, when, he, when he gets there in his reading projects <laughs> in 10 years the episode will be published <laughs> alright so what's happened um, I, I have my timer set so um, we talked about how we don't want to spend too long on the exposition so in 45 seconds or less we're going to talk about what led Kane to becoming the Scarlet Spider uh, who's going to be our contestant not me <laughs> Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. Okay. Okay, ready? Ready. Set? I'm set. Are you still set? Yes. I'm sitting Go. down. Okay, so uh, after his appearance in Who Has Been Riley, Kane suddenly, mysteriously decided to appear, and little Anna Craven, 
a.k.a. the 12-year-old that Kane is apparently terrified of, showed up and made him run like a little girl. He was then subsequently killed to bring back Craven, a resurrection that no one demanded. And, well, then one page later he came back to life. Leading to Spider Island, where he mutated into a giant spider. For no reason. Anyway, became the Jackal's henchman, because apparently the Jackal decided, oh, I'm still alive. Now, he has been cured thanks to a dip in the Venom Goo white stuff, anti-Venom Goo white stuff. And Five seconds now, left! And he's now back, and now he's going to Texas. Boom. 45 seconds on the dot. Nice! Yeah. I'm, I'm impressed. I was actually getting really worried. Once we got to the 30-second mark, I was like, oh, cr- <laughs> 45 seconds or less. That's what's happened with Kane. Now that we've covered and got you caught up on where, where Kane is at the moment, we are going to be covering, again, Scarlet Spider number one. And, Gerard, you, I think you have the rundown for this one, don't you? Uh, that's possible. Under the stack of papers. Oh, oh here it is. Yeah, I write notes by hand. Uh, <laughs> make make the joke that you want. That's so 20th century. Use, use an iPad, man. Get with it. Digital. <laughs> an iPad? What do you think? I'm one of the five richest kings? I can't afford that. Come on. Indy and I were just IMing about iPads. Are you going to awkwardly show up at her, uh, her dorm room or department or whatever? God, I hate that show so much. <laughs> oh, dude, I'm uh, I'm having like a second romance with the. Uh, for those of you who are listening, we're referring to the MTV Spider-Man show, which is slightly on topic. I'm having a second romance with that show. It's like <laughs> I'm rediscovering it for all of its lows and all of its like college pandering. Where, like every- that show is so bad. <laughs> where, like every other sentence, they're mentioning the fact that they're in college, like. We're, in We're so hip and cool college kids. Kids from the MTV generation, and then they like flash the logo on the screen. You know? <laughs> and, then, and then Mary Jane like, and Peter. Like, I just watched a lizard episode the other night where she's like going for a walk with Peter, and she says, "I just realized something, Peter. Your parents are dead." And she kisses him. And it's just <laughs> thanks, thanks for letting me kiss you. And she like runs off. <laughs> Mary Jane, my parents are dead. <laughs> Sorry, I'm crossing my memes here. <laughs> you know who else's parents are dead? Kane. Yeah. And you can read all about him in Scarlet Spider issue one. And Gerard has the recap. I don't know if I'm going to edit all that out or not. <laughs> <laughs> Amazingly, that won't be the only Batman reference in that show. Uh, yeah, well, can I, <laughs> am I clear at the start or the shenanigans? You're, you're good. You're good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Scarlet Spider number one. Uh, sh- got the right down. What did you not write down? Okay, two steps back. All right, Scarlet Spider number one, which is written by Christopher Yost, penciled by Ryan Stegman, inked by Michael Bobinski, and colored by Marte Gracia. We begin in Houston, Texas, where a mob of goons has set up shop at the docks. Suddenly, one of the goons is pulled into a shadowy spot within, between shipping crates, and then another. One goon decides to negotiate, and the camera turns to reveal the assailant is... Batman! <gasps> no, it's not Batman, it's Kane. Naturally, since, it, since he like looks like a hobo or whatever, they start firing on him. And unsurprisingly, he mops the floor with these guys, seeing as how he has superpowers and they don't, delivering swift and brutal beatdowns with only one man left. He grabs this guy by the collar, picks him up, and says... 
And the guy's like, no, please don't kill me, man. He's like, I'm not going to kill you. I want you to tell all your friends about me. Okay, again, that scene didn't happen. But but all joking aside, it really did come across like very similarly to that opening scene of Tim Burton's Batman. But maybe that's just me. So Kane takes the bags of money that the bad guys were carrying, which which I guess was apparently his goal for the whole evening. He was there solely to take the money, not to, to bust up their shenanigans take or anything the money like that. And run. Yeah, that that seems to be his plan, or at least that's what his thought balloons were saying. But as he leaves, he catches a smell coming from one of the containers, and opening it, he discovers that it's full of corpses. However, one arm reaches out from the bottom of the pile, and Cain discovers that it is a girl who is still alive somehow at the bottom of this human refuse. Later, Cain brings the girl to the hospital, threatening the staff and attacking the cops. Realizing what he's doing, of course, and how, you know, insane it is, and uh, he's going to get his ass shot if he keeps it up. Kane decides to leave. He attaches himself to the side of a tanker truck, and as he sets up shop at the Four Seasons, we learn that Gerard's handwriting is so terrible that occasionally he can't read what he wrote on the recap page. Uh, Man, so. Wacker must really hate you to include that <laughs> in the book. Like, <laughs> taking a shot at, like, your handwriting for crying out loud, Wacker, you know, let it go. He was a blogger on a Spider-Man website. It's <laughs> Okay, well, I, I actually need to, like, decipher what the hell this says. It's one of those weird things where I wrote it, and then I put one of those little carrots and then wrote in something to insert in between words, and it's just so badly written that I can't even see what the hell it says. Because I have nice, like, scripted handwriting when I'm, like, writing slow. When I start writing fast, it just starts coming up to a bunch of loops and stuff that don't make any sense. You should have used an iPad on MTV. Dude, seriously. <laughs> and then it would have auto-corrected all of my spelling, and it would have been, like, as- asparagus hyper-octopus or something. <laughs> you auto-correct? Okay. <laughs> he attaches himself to the side of a tanker truck, and as he sets up shop at the Four Seasons, we learn that he's been on the run since the events of Spider Island. We also get some exposition detailing his history from his quote-unquote birth in the cloning tube to his arrival in Houston. And the the bits that we don't learn here will probably... Well, wait, what the hell am I saying? That, that, that thing in the back has nothing to do with Kane. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I actually mentally forgot like the thing I thought that okay in the morning Kane goes swinging in his new webs because for some reason after Spider Island he can now shoot organic webbing sporting a new haircut and shave which he basically shaved himself by by burning the hair off of his face with the with his touch like he used to do with the mark of Kane but he has no costume on, or shirt for that matter, or shoes or anything like that. He's just like wearing jogging pants or something. It's really strange. Back at the docks, the police begin their investigation. Before long, however, a big guy in a hoodie, <gasps> a hoodie, with animal tattoos shows up and starts threatening them. Back downtown, Kane saves an old lady from getting smushed by an SUV by dropping onto it and smashing it to pieces, only to, the, to then, you know, bitch the lady out for walking mindlessly across the street and almost getting hit by a car. My favorite part of the issue. Huh? (laughs) My favorite part of the issue, easily. Yeah. It's really, really surreal when it happens. I'm like, wait, what? This scene is happening? A crowd gathers around the bloody body of the SUV's driver because, of course, when Kane dropped onto the car, it stopped all of its momentum and the dude just went, just exploded through the windshield and went flying 20 feet down the street. And he makes a hasty retreat when nobody's paying attention. At the hotel bar, 
Kane boozes up and he starts watching a news report about the unseen dock incident in which multiple cops were killed. I flip over the page. Kane returns to his room in angst about his involvement in all this mess, hesitating to become a hero and I guess deciding that, you know what, I'm just going to skip town because that's the, that's the way to solve all of my problems. Back at the hospital, the big tattooed guy from earlier causes a ruckus trying to get to the girl that Kane brought in for medical attention. He threatens to burn her while speaking Spanish with her, and in a different in a cut to to events that are occurring at the same time, we see that Kane is getting ready to leave town. Dot dot dot. To be continued. We're gonna now that we've heard the recap of number one, we're gonna hear the recap of number two, and then we'll just give our thoughts generally in the uh, afterwards. So. Bertoni. We open up with um, a twisted version of Old Yeller where uh, the jackal is uh, taking his pet out back to shoot it, except in this case the pet is Kane. And this is this is really creepy sequence. Like Kane's like running away from the jackal saying, like, come back so I can shoot you. And the sight of jackal with a, with like a handgun is really, really fun. <laughs> it's actually like really, really funny. For some reason I like I find it hard to imagine the jackal with a gun, and he's like, "Let me shoot you." When like, when before in the '90s, he's like always used like super science, and Kane falls into a pit of dead Gwen Stacy clones. Wow! Like, no, I didn't really... realize that it is Gwen Stacy. Yes, it's like a whole pit of like unused, like like dead Gwen Stacy clones that, like, a landfill of them. It's wow. Really creepy. And Kane says, save me, which uh, we'll get back to that later, because that becomes important. Uh, here's a hint. He didn't get saved. But now in Houston, you know, uh, without dead Gwen Stacy clones, he's going out of town, just like he was at the end of last issue, when he sees the hospital explode in the rearview window. So like any good superhero, he he carjacks the taxi cab driver. And like, this is one of the things that I love about the book. Like, as a, you would never see Spider-Man or like the human torture. I don't even know if you'd see Wolverine do this. And then again, I haven't read enough Wolverine. But he, like, tells the guy, like, get out of the car. <laughs> Instead of telling the guy to turn around. Like, there's, there's easily so many other ways that Kane could have, like, got him back there. But he steals the cab. So this guy, uh, how do we pronounce his name? Zio uh, Kotal. I'm going to call him Mr. Coach. Okay, <laughs> he has fire in the shape of dragons, and he's wrecking this hospital, and he's like, ha-ha, girl, I'll kill you. She's like, I don't even know you, and he's like, ah, oh, you don't know me. It's ironic that you don't know me. Let me talk about how you don't know me when you should know me without actually saying how you know me. Kane comes in dressed as the Scarlet Spider. I guess we'll call him Scarlet Spider now, and he's had enough of this guy's you know, BS, so he starts beating him up. And then he's like, aha, I burned Spider-Man. He's obviously dead. And then he's like, I'm not Spider-Man, and I'm not dead. And again, one of the things that I like about the book, Kane picks up a gun from the ground and starts shooting the guy. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. And he, like, explodes in fire. And he's like, aha, I burned Spider-Man again. And he's like, fool, I'm still not dead, and I'm still not Spider-Man. So he beats the guy up, and there's a crowd of people cheering around him. And in a scene that I don't know if I've ever seen in, like, a Spider-Man comic, Kane goes into the uh, room of the girl that he found earlier. And now keep in mind, in the flashback when he first met her, like, or not flashback, yeah, they, they flash back to the first issue. And when he meets her, she's in, like, a room of carcasses and says, save me. And I'm like, oh, just like when Kane was in the, was in the landfill of dead Gwen Stacy clones. That's why he saved her. Oh, it reminds him of his past. That's awesome symmetry. 
Symbolism. So, yeah, so Kane's like, you know, what's going on? Why was this guy trying to kill you? And she's, she could barely talk. She's whispering. And the cops and a doctor come in, and I'm ready for, like, what have you done to that poor girl? Arrest him. And, but, but no, like, they completely subvert this. They're like, oh, wow, Kane, you know, please don't leave town. We love you, you know, Scarlet Spider. You know, stay with us always. We'll give you the key to the city. <laughs> well, no, we don't think that there's anything suspicious about you being in a hospital room with this girl. So, it's <laughs> so like, just, I, I know that this is, you know, uh, a little bit of an editorial in the middle of a recap, but like Spider-Man plays by all the rules, saves people, but Kane shoots guys, you know, steals cars. Like there's all this brutal stuff and the city like puts out the welcome mat for him. So Kane considers jumping the board of the Mexico, but he remembers that the doctor said, which I didn't mention in the recap, that this girl's actually like, they can't help her because she's supposed to be deported. So Kane kidnaps her and takes her to his apartment where like he's treating her medically somehow, because I guess Kane knows That's science. Doctor, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he looks at Houston, and he's like, oh, I think I'll give this town a shot. If not, I can always cross the border. And that's the end. Okay, my one pet peeve about that last scene. I can always cross the border. Dude, you're going to have to swim, because it's not exactly like right back. It's not Juarez, okay? It's not El Paso. It's Houston, okay? Let's get this right. If you want to go to Mexico, you're either swimming or you're going to be going along the coastline. I'm sorry. Sorry, this is the official comic or anything. I know. Well, hold on. Across the border was my, was 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 what I said. I don't think he actually said that. He said Mexico's right next door. Yeah, I mean, there is a scene of him looking at what I assume is the border, like in the previous page. Yeah, it's, like, it's not the border. I mean, I just, I don't know. Like, sometimes it's like the G- people forget that Houston's not really that close to the border. <laughs> it's on the opposite side. Don't you know anything about geography? Don't you know? Don't I? Don't I know anything about Texas? You know, <laughs> having having lived here my entire life, I wouldn't know anything about the geography of Texas or anything. That's what I've been trying to tell you. Uh, exactly. <laughs> but uh, all right, so let's go around the room. Donovan, Donovan, you give your thoughts first on both issues. Okay. <clears throat> As you cough. Yeah, I'm, I'm still recovering from the spoiled milk. It's been weeks. I don't know why I'm still coughing. Um, okay. All the power. None of the responsibility. Scarlet Spider number one. This issue, I like the art. It was a little... I don't want to say it was too cartoony, because that, that means that I don't like cartoony stuff. But for some, for some reason, I expected the art to be a little more um, uh, rendered than, I, than it was. But I still like it. So I like Ryan Stegman's art, and I always have. One thing I, I the, my major my major concern with this comic is that I feel Kane is a little too disconnected from his from his uh, Peter Parkerness. Okay, because he is a clone of Peter Parker. Now, true, he says he was a clone of someone else. He's never had his own identity. That's absolutely true. But all the time in the Clone Saga, we're under the assumption that he's sort of like a he has Peter Parker's consciousness. He has Peter Parker's memories. He remembers Uncle Ben and Gwen Stacy and all that. So I feel that though he's acting like, wow, I, I wonder why. Or this, no wonder Spider-Man likes web, web swinging so much when that should be completely familiar with him. It's, it wasn't. It wasn't so long so long ago uh, that he was under the assumption that you know he was Peter Parker clone, or, or you know or he thought he was Peter Parker. Or he was dealing with Ben Riley and and all that. And while that's referenced here, and I do like it, I feel that his uh, perspective is a little too separated. And they're they're starting with a clean slate, in which I, I think it should be less clean. If that makes any sense. Um, 
But I did like Kane's. I like I, I like kind of like Kane's characterization. He's a little bit of more. I mean, this this is part for the course of our comic in these days. He's he's a little bit more sarcastic than he was than than I'm used to seeing him. But he's still he's actually still a fun character to read about. So um, I do think that going into issue two, both issues could have been done done in one issue. Uh, issue two definitely had lots more action, obviously. Um, I'm not sure what's up with this uh, uh, Zuko guy or whatever. It kind of sounds like a random supervillain. The it, this issue was a lot. Uh, it was dark with the beginning with the whole dream sequence. Even though we don't really see him dreaming, we, we just see that flashback without any context. Um, I'm also wondering if Kane thinks you know, oh, I'm gonna start my life new. I'm not gonna get involved in anything. Why does he have a tailor-made Spider-Man costume or Scarlet Spider costume? That that he's attached. He, you know, stole, he stole it uh, from Peter at the end of Spider Island hashtag. But that was the that was the other costume. It wasn't this, right? But the other costume could basically be, like, visually could turn itself into any other costume. I mean, the, it, he still has to come up with this design and somehow and, like, you know, will I, I, the costume to display it, but... I, I'm pretty sure that it was one of the... Like, Peter infused in stable molecules into all his costumes, so that way he could just be wearing any one of the costumes and be able to use it. It's the uh, Sonic costume from from Big Time, the first Big Time arc. I don't know if I really buy that. <laughs> I understand he, he sold the costume. Honestly, um, that's, a, that's a question we'll have to ask if we ever can get the guys on and, or somebody ask it on Twitter or whatever. Um, anyway, I, I really love the art. I love, it's, it's fun seeing, uh, I like this, this black mask, red-eyed Spider-Man, or, or, Spider, or Scarlet Spider costume, or Scarlet Spider mask. And like Josh was saying, it's fun to see Kane do un-Spider-Man-like things, like strangle a guy with his webbing or shoot him with a gun. And... It was interesting. It's nice to see people have a brain and treat him as a hero that he is, not just, you know, oh, no. He's, he's not. not. <laughs> That's <so> funny. <laughs> it's, okay. there's, there's a lot of irony in that. And the funniest thing is, is that it's like, it's like they're making Texas the exact opposite of New York, which makes me so happy. Sorry, Gerard. Oh, that, makes me, that makes me feel sad. It's for you to imply that New York is not the most awesome place on Earth, which it is. Do you want me to give separate grades for the issue or for the overall story? Uh, give, give a separate give separate grade and then an overall. Um, first issue I would give a B minus. Second issue I would give an B plus. So B minus B plus. Generally a B for the story. Alrighty, all right. So we'll go to Gerard for his thoughts. Which okay. You yeah. On, which you can see on Spidey.com. <laughs> yeah, because I totally reviewed both issues. Yeah, both of them. <laughs> Don't go looking right now, guys on the podcast. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't re- do the second one yet. But um, as far as like the the story goes, like it, it it's weird because when I when I thought if you think about them individually, neither of them is like I don't know great, but together they form like the most perfect first issue that you could have if that makes any sense like the first the first story was really expositiony and like filled in a lot of backstory and stuff but it didn't actually have a lot of plot to itself and it wasn't particularly interesting to read and the second issue was the complete opposite of that where it's all about like story and character and stuff but they don't with, with none of the exposition that they got out of the way in the first story so, if if they, if these two were together, just like one double sized issue or something like that, it would be perfect. 
That would be the That's kind the of issue. That's why we're reviewing them together in one episode. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. The real oh, man. and not the yeah. <laughs> no, Don. We all accept. We all, we all accept. We're, we're a team here. We all accept blames for things equally, except when it's your fault, which it was in this case. But we're not going to discuss that any further. I don't, I don't accept Zach's blame when he screws up. <laughs> hey, hey, what? Wait, what? <laughs> no, no, no. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't talk, guy who once showed up three hours late to the recording of his own show. You know what? You had thoughts on this issue. I did. Oh yeah, I believe oh. I was saying that. Yes. Um, as far as things I really like, the artwork is great. I really love. I, I unlike Don, I actually really love the cartoonishness of this because honestly, I find that comics these days are veering way too far into the quote-unquote realistic art styles that I just feel don't have nearly as much expression and are just kind of stiff. Like, this is none of that. Like, it's just really fluid, and the line work is really great, and the colors really pop off the page, too. I mean, there are pages here and there that are, you know, have muted color schemes and stuff, but those are mostly night scenes or or that flashback at the beginning of uh, issue two that's stylistically supposed to look like that to distinguish it from the other stuff. Um, and it, And... The first issue does a great job of introducing the character. The second issue does a great job of doing things with the character. So, overall, between the two of them, like I said, I think together they make the perfect issue. Individually, the first one is not very good. It's a little too exposition-y, in my opinion, and doesn't really have a lot of story. And I think uh, <clears throat> when we first recorded this, I, I said it was about like maybe a C minus. I think I'd stand by that. That's about how I feel about that one. The second issue, though, great improvement. I think uh, that one's like maybe a B plus A minus type story. So, eh, I'll be generous and say like A minus for that one. Together, though, I mean, like I, I sound kind of lukewarm on this, though, but I, I absolutely must read recommendation. I think this is a great start to the series. If you read, if only if you read the first two issues together, though. I'm sure they'll come out with a Marvel's must-have, like well, issues one through three. If you haven't picked it up yet, or not. I really? think they wouldn't. <laughs> How often? And they'll add, they'll add some deleted scenes in there, so like so, so you yeah. can buy it again, and they'll charge you. All right, uh, Bertoni, give us your thoughts. The first issue, uh, well, and again, like with the other stuff, because they have different creative teams for each four parts, it's like. There's more of a distinction when we review them separately. This, I, I almost feel like I can review it as one entity. One issue that I had with the first issue, I said issue twice in a sentence. Ooh. Kane's like, I, you know, I'm on the run. You know, the Avengers, they're all trying to find me. And it's like, oh, yeah. no, they're no, they're not. Like, like, he thinks that, like, these people are out looking for him. Like, they're not. Like, unless something's happening, like, in, in other, you know, in off-panel land that we don't know about, like... No one seemed to get to give two flying, you know, flips about Kane. They were all too busy in being naked and not being noticed being naked by certain readers. <laughs> um, when they recapped the Clone Saga, it was a lot better and a lot more simplistic than it was when it was done in Deadly Foes of Spider-Man. <laughs> and so, it didn't have nearly as many continuity errors either. <laughs> first thing I said to Gerard was, are there any continuity errors? Like, because he read the book before I did. <laughs> I liked I liked that big um you know uh full page splash of Kane and uh Scarlet Spider fighting and Spider-Man all fighting each other. It reminded me of the Clone Saga mini from a few years back because of the way it was colored. 
Well, I wish that it, I mean there wasn't really too much to say about the first issue. It, it had its moments. I loved the second issue, which I only read, you know, I, I got to confess, I only read it right before we recorded. It, it was sitting, you know, in my comics, you know, pile for, for weeks. And I was, I was going to read it before we did the podcast. And I was pleasantly surprised that scene with like him in a landfill of dead Gwen clones. That's effing creepy, you know, but it's like awesome, creepy. And, and the and Jackal like trying to like take Kane out back to shoot him like a dog. I thought that was a little weird, but for the scene, it worked. And then like, it gave you a reason why Kane cared about this girl, but they didn't beat you over the head with look, they're the same. It was just something that like, as a reader, you jump to that conclusion. And I, when you read comics, there's formulas and there's tr- tropes that go over and over and over again so when those people walk into the hospital i'm like ready for them to shoot kane like what are you doing to that girl and when they wanted to like roll out the carpet for him and again the guy that like you know steals cabs and shoots people i was like okay this this is something different this is an inversion you know, yeah I, I i can get into this and i'm honestly getting into this you know i give it i give this i give this an a you know, hopefully it doesn't lose me later, but it has my attention, and hopefully it keeps it in a good way. You know, your move, Marvel. All right, so uh, we got an A out of Gerard and Josh. What's What was your overall grade there, Don? A B. A B. I'm going to give it an overall grade of A+, plus because I know – look, I gave – You're a slut. I'm not a slut. I gave I – was, I was somewhat like Gerard – with the first issue in that there wasn't a whole lot to it but I loved everything that was in the issue but there just wasn't a whole lot of plot um, this second issue was all about world building and we got little nuggets in the first issue but really in the second issue Houston's a little bit of a character in this book I mean if you've never been to Houston it's very 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 human like your sweat will sweat you type of human um, I don't know anything about that <laughs> Yeah, you're living in Florida, but uh, it's 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 a, char- a little bit of a character on its own. I think they're. I love the fact that they're kind of referencing some real world issues such as illegal immigration and and, and not being afraid of, of it being a taboo issue. Um, liked uh, the, the the villain wasn't particularly interesting, but it was interesting enough to think that there's a lot more to him than. Uh, than what we're seeing. And then, of course, you have the... Uh, like, if you look in the solicitations for the future, you see that his elements of his past are coming up. So so clearly, Chris Yost knows his characterization of Kane, and that's probably the strongest thing throughout this whole narrative. Kane's a little bit of a smartass, but he's not, like, being all jokey joke. It's more... He's being a smartass to himself. He is kind of like a dark Peter Parker. My, my, own, my only contention with that is that he did. He didn't have that exact voice before, but I'm not saying like it's it's totally wrong. It's just it's just kind of different. Well, and, and you, you, I'm going to argue your point because yeah. um, in Lost Years and in Redemption, he talks at pretty at length about burying his past, like like burying everything that he learned from Peter Parker to the point where he doesn't even want to remember it, and so. He probably does remember some of it, but I think he had buried it so much that he had really had just kind of forced. It's like one of those things where you have people that they go through traumatic events and they and they 
they push it down and they they just block it from their memory. You could you could argue that that Kane did all that with all his Peter Parker memories, whereas Ben Riley embraced everything. I always assumed it was also some sort of aspect of him being damaged, where it, it almost sort of implies that he has some sort of I don't want to say brain damage because that's not what I'm implying here, but like uh, Wait, in some way the the memories are corrupted somehow. Like it's not it's not perfect. Like I know that's kind of a lazy hand wave to this stuff, but I I always just assume that his memories were perfect. Clone that makes sense. I, yeah. I always assumed he wasn't like crystal clear, perfect memories like uh, Ben Riley has. Yeah, I, well, when you look at the uh, Birth of a Clone story, the backups that were in, that's in the first trade and that was in the backups of the Power of Responsibility, uh, you can really kind of tell that it was a slow, gradual process where it was like, I am human, and then you have. I am Peter Parker, and then you start getting the memories flooding all of that. So he may have never got past the I am human stage and I am Peter Parker. So it, that, that's something you could argue with him being an imperfect clone. The, the degeneration could have been kicking in right around that time. Because we really don't know exactly how long it was before he started exhibiting the, the disease. And it's not really even important to the story. Like we don't have to know. This is one of those things that I'm just I'm, I'm willing to accept as part of being part of the character. You know, yeah. where you don't need everything explained to you. That's one of those things. I'm just like, okay, yeah. Well, uh, they, I accept that. Move on. They explain so much anyway. I mean, they throw a lot. He throws a lot of information in that first issue. Yeah. And, and granted, the, the the four pages that were in the back of the first issue that were kind of catching up on the Scarlet Spider moniker, I mean, they left certain things out, such as the Joe Wade Scarlet Spider, which we'll talk about later on, not in this show, but like in as the show progresses. I can't wait. <laughs> that wonderful <laughs> that wonderful story arc. <sighs> exactly. Hey, podcasting about bad comics is fun. Yeah, yeah, especially when they're you know um, they have the unlimited on the title. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> anyway, the I, so I got to give. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to give it an A plus. I'll give it an A, solid A. I mean, really, really good start. This I said in, the, in my original review. This was really the first half of an hour long pilot, and the second half just ranched the action up to an eleven. It was just pure fun popcorn uh, type of comic. It, it easily right now. So far, in the th- two months that we've had in 2012, it's been the best series, most consistent series that we've seen so far between Venom and Amazing Spider-Man. Death. Dude, it's the end of February. <laughs> it's a very small sample size. Yeah, but, but, but I mean, in this small sample size, it's already doing better than the other two titles. Yeah, I'm not reading Venom. I can't really say so. But I, I, yeah. I, look, I burned Venom. It was really good until they derailed it with this, um, like Mephisto and X23, and teams up with everyone's story. What you mean? Somebody randomly crammed X23 into a series and it got worse? <laughs> That's never happened before. I, just, I don't know. Yeah, it's happened like four times already. <laughs> Although Betty Brandt gets killed by the Green Goblin in the latest issue, but it's a dream sequence. That, that must have really got you excited for the last split second. Like you, you, you probably had like a whole huge conflicted amount of onrush of feelings, or whatever. Like, Aah! and like dropped the comic and started writhing around, and then you got to the next page. Like, oh wait, that was just a dream. Yeah, no, I think Rick Remender did that just for you, Bert. <laughs> I'm not conceited enough to think that Rick Remender, like you know, it's kinda thinks like, of me when he's writing this. <laughs> it's kind of like the guy from from that one website that thinks that he influenced a certain movie because. It's more realistic that way. <laughs> oh, that's subtle. Yeah, I, oh. Tried be, I tried to be as subtle as possible with that one. <laughs> Hello, 
Oh, never mind. You just hit it over the head. <laughs> oh, dude. Don't worry. This will all survive. <laughs> I got a question for you guys. We got an okay. answer for you. I, I hope you do. Okay, the villain in this story, right? First of all, his name is... First of all, the he he says that he has, like, the... His powers come from the spirit of Geoquadal, which is like the the Aztec god. Like the he's like a, it's an actual Aztec god or like the embodiment of an Aztec god and a serpent. But that's not that's not the dude's name, right? So I'm like looking at I'm like, what the hell is this guy's name? According to Comic Vine, his name is Salamander. Am I the only person that didn't remember that coming up at any point? I didn't thoroughly examine the issue, so... No, no, it um, never comes up. I, I, I see it. It, it. It's on, like, the, the recap page of, of the second issue. Like, it says Salamander Strikes, but, like, that's it. I don't think it's actually ever mentioned in story or something. Okay, I, that, that didn't... I, of course, I, 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 I mentally skipped the recap page. Mainly because there's, yeah. there's something so blatantly stupid that I just, I just makes me want to... Mash my teeth into powder. Like, what is it? Dude, it's a recap page. Like, something always. Every single time, it's like something. There's something very. <laughs> so, Scarlet Spider. Wow. So, pretty much. I mean, it's it's consensus on this podcast. You need if you haven't done it yet, go pick up uh, Scarlet Spider number one and number two. Yeah, don't don't wait for the trade because I noticed that the number. I think the second issue's numbers are like. So I, I can't remember what it was. I think the first issue debut wasn't very strong. But I thought, not, it was, I thought it was like number twenty-five, though. Yeah, but if that's where number one is, I hate to see what the hell number well, five. I mean, you satellite titles, you know, don't normally do too well. So it's not like you'd expect this to get the numbers of Amazing Spider-Man. Well, yeah, and then you've got the super, super DC saturation too. Yeah. I'm I'm afraid that this series can get lost in the way that like a lot of pretty good but not really highly anticipated series tend to get lost within the first ten issues or so. Yeah, yeah. I'm honestly afraid that Venom won't last another year. Well, if they're already pulling out gimmicky point, you know, one. Well, that <laughs> was that was event, because then you're in trouble. Well, that's because they the the titles that they were supposed to be in got canceled. All but Venom's. Like female yeah, Ghost Rider, X twenty three, and uh, who else is in there? Female Ghost Rider, forgot about that. Uh, Red Hulk. Red Hulk. They all got. They all got. <laughs> you know. <laughs> you think Red Hulk had a title in the first place? Yeah, I thought the he took of Thunderbolt Ro- Ross. Yeah, which is uh, yeah. Don't even get me started on that. Anyway, well, uh, that about wraps this show up. If you want to be able to contact the show, there's always the email, which is clonesagachronicles@gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter which is Clone Saga Chroni, C-H-R-O-N-I. Chronicles didn't quite fit. You can also like us on Facebook. Just search spydude.com. Be sure to leave iTunes reviews for our new feed, because we've got the new feed up. And, of course, uh, you can keep listening to the show. I don't remember that. that <laughs> and, of course, I have no additional things. Why did I list it like this? And, uh, and of course, we will be we will read all of them on the show. So there's ways to contact us, multitude different ways. 
<laughs> Just take my own ass right there. But, and you're laughing about it, too. I'm sorry, I'm laughing. <laughs> Something unintentionally funny about that. Yes. Anyway, so uh, that about wraps this show up. Another exciting episode of Outside Chronicle. So catch us next time when we'll cover some more 90s Spider-Man goodness. 